Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but I'm recording it the day before Valentine's. So if you are in need of a last second Valentine's Day gift, and I'm sure you guys have everyone in your life taken care of, but just in case, if you picked right, of course, the lady in your life is going to love some gear from Alumni Hall. And for all you ladies out there, because I know that you're listening, of course, your husbands are going to love nothing more than some Georgia National Championship gear from Alumni Hall. So if you're still looking for that last second gift, there's still time, enough time, for you guys to get some great stuff from Alumni Hall. You can check them out online at alumnihall.com or make that emergency visit here to the Classic City and check them out inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center. But I am your host, Tyler, and I'm very glad to be back with you guys again today. I'm going to jump right into our content today because we have one topic, one big topic today, and I want to make sure I have a chance to cover this from every single angle. And unless you were in a coma over the weekend, then you are already well aware of the big news that hit late Thursday night. In fact, it hit literally about an hour after I hit publish on our Friday 5 episode in which I explained how excited I was that it was looking like this was not going to happen. God love that. Record episodes, spend the time doing that, publish it, have people listen to it, and then almost immediately you check social media and you say, oh, wow, okay, um, that's irrelevant already because things have clearly changed. So that was fun. But of course, The bombshell news that I am talking about is that despite reports a few weeks ago that it was looking increasingly like Texas and Oklahoma would not be able to negotiate an early exit from their Big 12 contract that was supposed to run through the 2024 season, the Longhorns and Sooners will indeed be joining the SEC a year early at the start of the 2024 season, which also happens to be the year that the college football playoff is scheduled to expand to 12 teams. So it's nice, clean, a fresh start for the SEC, for the Big Ten with USC and UCLA coming to that conference. And of course, things opening up big time with the expansion of the college football playoff. So as you might imagine, with news of that magnitude, my DMs, it's safe to say they got blown up this weekend with questions, with comments, with speculation about this report regarding Texas and Oklahoma. So this is one of those days I'm going to call an audible from our regularly scheduled programming so that I can react to the news 
that has your attention while it's fresh. I was going to do a very different show today. We were going to do the way too early UGA 2023 season preview, but with this news hitting, that's one of those things I can push back a day, a week, whatever, but I want to make sure to cover all this while it's fresh on everyone's minds, while you are all interested in it, and really just answer all the questions that you guys sent our way, because I mean, there were so many sent to me, I just, I can't in good conscience ignore this. So I want to take a, a full day, a full episode here to really dive into this and talk about this from, from a couple of different angles. But I really kind of want to approach this from a different point of view. Like this is a Georgia podcast. Like, yes, we dabble in topics and teams slightly outside of our usual purview at times. We do that. Sure. But at the end of the day, this is the Glory UGA podcast, and I know that's where all of y'all's primary interest lies. I, I'm fully aware of that. So I want to approach this by looking at what this SEC expansion means for Georgia. Sure, I'll talk about some things that might be a, more of a big picture look at things, might not be directly related to UGA, but I really want to try to keep this narrowed and keep the focus on Georgia, because I know that's why you guys are here. I mean, of course, we'll give you some thoughts on, on general college ball stuff as well, but we like to try to keep the focus on Georgia because that's kind of what we do. So I want to start by saying I do understand why the SEC had to expand, why the SEC had to add Texas and Oklahoma when they were approached by these two teams about a potential expansion opportunity. I understand that. I understand it's a necessary evil. I understand it's a financial imperative. That's really what it is. It's college football Darwinism. Like If you really want to get down to it, that's at the core of this. It's college football Darwinism. It's survival of the fittest. We had to make this move to add these two teams because if we didn't, someone else was going to do it, right? You have to, you have to survive, survive in advance. So from that standpoint, I am actually glad the SEC, I'm really glad the SEC is making this move because this is what had to be done to stay relevant and for the conference to stay at the top of the sport amidst a time of unprecedented change, which like we're very much in this era right now, guys, where things are changing at rapid rates in a way that it never has before, at least not this much change this fast. So I get it. I understand that. But just because I understand it doesn't mean I like it. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily a great thing for the University of Georgia, which is number one in my heart. Like that's my number one priority. That's how I look at this. I mean, is it good for the SEC? Yes, I understand that. But does that necessarily mean it's completely good for Georgia? Now, as a member of the SEC, it's not all bad for Georgia. If it's good for the SEC, on some level, it's good for Georgia as we are a member of that conference. But I do think there are some things and some components to this move, some aspects to it that aren't all sunshine and rainbows for our beloved Georgia Bulldogs. And to be entirely honest, my opinion on SEC expansion has undergone a, a, a pretty significant transformation over the past year or so while we've kind of been waiting for this to happen, waiting on news to hit, will Texas and Oklahoma come early? Is it going to be 2025? When is it going to happen? Initially, I was very excited about this. And I think I said as much when news first hit, was it two summers ago? So a year and a half or so ago. And I was excited for a couple of reasons. You know, it's it was a chance to play some new opponents that we don't normally get to play. I thought that was exciting. It was new. It was fresh. Um, what probably had me most excited was I saw this as an opportunity to break up the eight-game schedule death grip on the SEC, which is something that I have had a major issue with, issue with for a long time. I've wanted to go to nine for a while now because I felt that would enhance the schedule. 
and create more good games, create more interest, create more intrigue, draw more eyeballs. That was just good for the sport in general. So as a fan, yeah, I am still excited about that aspect of of expansion. I'm, I'm excited to see a better schedule. I'm excited to see better games here in Athens as a season ticket holder. Uh, I, I really am. I'm excited for the competitiveness that we'll see, the enhanced scheduling that we'll see over the next however many years moving in the future. I mean, I think it's a good thing for us and for college football that fewer helpless patsies are going to be coming into town. I, I understand that those programs need that big payday, like the Austin Peas of the world, to keep their programs going and alive and to create opportunities for athletes who might not be D1 caliber. And, and I sympathize with that. My position with that has always been, well, if we were willing to pay them a million dollars to come play us, why don't we just take that million dollars and put it into a pool and and subsidize these FCS programs? And that just because we want to help them out financially – doesn't mean that we have to play them because that takes away from the competitiveness. That takes away from the paying fan who has to watch these games. I mean, if we want to pay them to help subsidize those programs so you have opportunities for kids coming to high school, I'm all for that. But does that mean that we have to actually play them? So the fan in me loves the idea of going to a nine-game schedule, which we'll get to momentarily. That's not a completely a done deal yet. I think that's where we're moving, but it's not a done deal yet. But it's certainly more of a possibility than it was two years ago. And the fan in me likes that. I like to see better games. I, I, I've been one of those those guys grumbling for a while now. I know Charlie does this a lot. You know, we you, you pay good money for season tickets. You want to see good games. And with the game in Jacksonville every other or every year, that means. That, we only have three SEC home games in even-numbered years, and that creates some some very, very lackluster schedules. So the fan of me loves that we might see better matchups. I like that. But I'm torn. I really am. I, I'm torn on this because while I think that better matchups, better games, more competitive games are great for fans and for season ticket holders and, and also for the health of the sport long-term because I think if you have better games, you draw more eyeballs, more interest. Creating a greater volume of compelling matchups is good for college sports, for college football. I also don't think it's especially great for our football program in particular. Okay, so big picture for the SEC for college football, I think you know nine-game schedules are, are, are a good thing, but is it necessarily good on the micro, like macro level, yes, I think it's good. Micro level for Georgia, I don't know if that's necessarily the case because I am 100% convinced that it will make it more difficult to win national championships. And hear me out on this, okay? I, I'm not saying that we aren't one of the most talented teams in the country. And I don't, I'm not saying that's not that's going to change here anytime soon. As long as Kirby Smart's here, I've made it very clear over the past couple of years, I do not see that changing. We're going to be a national championship contender for the foreseeable future. Doesn't mean we will win it every year. That'd be incredible. But we know that's not going to happen. But we will be in the mix on an annual basis year after year after year after year. That is going to happen. But this expansion, adding Texas and Oklahoma, absolutely makes it more difficult for Georgia to win national championships because it's going to make it more difficult to win the SEC, which in turn will make it more difficult to win an expanded college football playoff because without winning the league with the way that this new expanded 12-team playoff is going to be formatted, you cannot secure a first-round buy. You have got to win your conference to be one of the top four conference winners to get a first-round buy. And potentially having to play an extra game absolutely puts you at a disadvantage. Now, top 12 teams, I fully expect us to be in the college football playoff on a nearly annual basis. Like, I would be disappointed in the years that we are not. Like, we should be in the top 12 every single year. 
but there's no guarantee if you do not win your conference and you certainly don't get that first round by. So that's why I say it will make it more difficult for George to win national championships. Will it make it impossible? No, of course not. Like We're still going to be winning national championships. It's just going to be more difficult. And I know a lot of you are scoffing at that notion right now. I, I can see you. I can hear you that you're just going, Texas hasn't been relevant since Colt McCoy. Oklahoma is going to fall off. They already fell off last year. I know a lot of you are thinking, as I've, I've seen people on social media say this, and my friends have said this, I understand that mindset to a degree. But guys, like I know Texas, is, it's been a while, right? I know it's been a while, and they, they've said they're back a couple different times. It's a running joke now. Texas is back, and they're not really back. Like, I, I get all of that. I watch college football very closely. But Texas is, I think, the right head coach higher away from being a problem. I believe that. Maybe Sarkeesian's that right coach. I don't know yet. I think the jury's still out there. But I think he's closer to the right coaching hire than they've had in a while. I mean, they're in some ways. I, mean, I know they they've really fallen off more than we fell off under Mark Rick, but you know we were a sleeping giant for a long time. I I think Texas is very much the same thing. I mean, you think you have a, a very passionate fan base. You sit in a recruiting hotbed. You have the you have the financial backing. You had the the institutional commitment. Like Texas, at any given moment could turn into an absolute monster the way that we have. Of course they could. They haven't been that. I know that they haven't, but they are not that far from being that. I mean, they are one right coaching higher away from being that program. I mean, guys, they're a top five team all time in college ball wins. Oklahoma's number six. So we're talking about two brand names in the sport. And now when they are in the SEC, they can recruit SEC territory with more credibility, which is another layer. They say, like, we're still going to recruit extraordinarily well because we're, we're Georgia. It's Kirby Smart. Now, we spend more money, I think a million and a half more dollars with the latest report, financial report coming out of the athletic board meeting. We spend a million and a half more dollars than any team in the country in recruiting. So we're still going to recruit really well, but this is going to make it more difficult. Uh, it, there's no doubt about it. These teams can now sell to recruits in Georgia, recruits in Florida that, hey, Come come here, and you can still play all these teams that you grew up watching in a way that they couldn't in previous years. So that does make it more difficult. I honestly don't see how you can deny that. I tried to have an open mind. I just don't see how you can really argue against the idea that it will make it at least to some degree more difficult for us to win national championships. But it is a catch-22. It's going back to what I was saying earlier. Like, yes, I think it's going to make it more difficult for us to win the SEC, which then in turn makes it more difficult for us to get a first round bye in the expanded college football playoff, which will, of course, in turn make it more difficult for us to win the college football playoff moving forward. But as I was saying earlier, without adding Texas and Oklahoma, the SEC as a league risks getting left behind by other conferences, namely the Big Ten. Like we know, it's the, it's the SEC and the Big Ten. Those are the two big boys at the table, right? And you know, Texas and Oklahoma, they approached the SEC. They approached the SEC about getting out of the Big 12 and finding a new home because they saw the rag on the wall, that the Big 12 was falling behind from a financial standpoint, and that was creating a bigger gap between the SEC schools, the Big 10 schools, and the Big 12 schools. And they felt that they had more value to offer than what they were getting from the Big 12. So they approached us. If we would have turned them down, do you think they should have said, okay, well, cool, we'll just stay in the Big 12? Like, no, they were going to find a home. They would have gone to the Big 10. If the Big 10 didn't want them, which, of course, they would have taken them, they would have gone to the Pac-12. They would have gone somewhere and found a home. So 
That's why we we had to make this move, and you have to keep up financially from a conference standpoint so you can hire the best coaches and build the best facilities. And adding Texas and Oklahoma to this league is going to be a financial windfall for the for the conference. Of course it is. We're going to go back to ESPN. We're going to renegotiate. And Chris, we're going to say, hey, look, we I know we had this deal, but we added two more teams. And I, I don't know this for 100% fact, but I'm I'm very sure that, I mean, I'd be, it'd be very difficult to imagine there's not some provision in there for reopening negotiations when we add two new teams like this. So, I mean, Greg Sankey is a smart guy. I'm pretty sure that's got to be in there. I'd be shocked if it was not. So from a financial standpoint, you have to make this move. And it is a good thing for the SEC at large. And like I said earlier, if it's good for the SEC, at least on some level, it's good for Georgia since we all remember. I just don't know if it's cut and dry. Oh, this is definitely 100% a good thing for Georgia. I think there are some aspects of this that aren't necessarily great from us from a program perspective. So I am torn on it from that perspective. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But moving on here, guys, I'm not at all torn on it from another perspective. And that perspective is scheduling. I hate what this is going to do to scheduling. I truly do. I, I'm, I'm glad that we get more competitive games. On, I am on that level. But what it's going to do in terms of how those games are scheduled and who we are going to be playing on an annual basis, I absolutely hate what this is going to do. And I know that no decision has been made between the two leading models out there. And I'm sure you guys are well aware of these. But if you haven't, seen this, you haven't heard this, I'll go ahead and put it out there. The two models that are under consideration, they've done some research into this, there's been a lot of discussion over the past year and a half, but the two models that we have really to choose from, they're the two ones left standing, are an eight-game schedule, so keeping the current eight-game schedule, but this time, instead of having divisions, like divisions are done, guys, divisions are gone, like that's going to happen, divisions are gone. So the eight-game format, or that proposal, each team would have one permanent opponent they play every single year, so one permanent rival, and they would play seven other teams each year, which would mean you would get to play each team in the conference at least once every two years, and you would do a home-and-home over the course of a four-year rotation. Then the other option is a nine-game schedule, where instead of having one permanent rival opponent, you would have three permanent opponents that you play every year, and you would rotate and play six other teams every year. Same concept, though. With that model, you would still play 
each team at least once every two years, and you would play home-and-home with every team in the conference over a four-year span. Apparently, no decision has been made on this, but it has to be nine games, right? Like, it has to be. There can't be a world in which Texas comes into this league and plays Oklahoma every year to keep the Red River rivalry going, but doesn't play AM every year. Or there's no world where Texas comes in this league, plays AM every year, but doesn't play Oklahoma every year. That's crazy. That's simply not going to happen. And if it does happen, then every single person involved in that decision should be fired immediately. That simply cannot happen. It's nonsensical. So it has to be a nine game schedule. A nine game schedule with three permanent opponents. We're not going to do pods. It seems that idea is thrown out. It's just three permanent opponents for each team. There's not a specific pod. And for most teams, having three permanent opponents is fine because not everyone has as many natural annual rivalries as we do. But going to a format with only three permanent opponents means at least one of what I consider to be legitimate rivals for the Georgia Bulldogs. That means at least one of those games would not be played on an annual basis. And I hate that. I think a big part of what makes college football college football are all of the incredible traditions. There's so much to it. There's the pride, the pageantry, the connection, the passion, all of that. But the tradition is a big part of what makes college football college football. The pure, unadulterated hatred of your rivals, the joy of beating them and reveling in their misery for a full calendar year. We all love to do that. We live for that. Some more than others, but most of us, to some degree, live for that kind of stuff. And we're going to lose that at least some of that. We're going to lose some of that with this expansion. Like that that's going to happen because if you look at Georgia, I mean, who would I say within the SEC are our like traditional rivals? I, I at least in my lifetime, who I personally now some of you might disagree and depending on where you live in the state and how old you are, how long you've been around, I know that can be different for different people. But Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, and South Carolina for me are the top 4. I mean, to me those are what I consider four legitimate rivalries. We will have to sacrifice at least one of those. And we're not the only team that'll have to do this. There are a couple other ones out there too. Like Alabama and LSU, that rivalry will probably not be continued on an annual basis, which that sucks, man. Tennessee, Florida, which has, I know Florida's kind of dominated that rivalry over the past decade plus, but that is a really good rivalry. That's two fan bases that hate each other. And we're going to lose that annual rivalry. That is going to happen. And I don't think that is good for those programs, just like I don't think us not being able to play South Carolina or Tennessee is good for us. Now, look, we're going to play all, we're going to play Florida. If it's going to be a three permanent opponent deal, which I'm almost certain it's going to be, like Florida and Auburn are going to be two of those three. So it's going to come down to who's the other one. Is it going to be Tennessee or is it going to be South Carolina? Which brings me to the probably the biggest question I've got, not probably, it's 100% the biggest question I've gotten. It's who would I want as Georgia's three permanent opponents followed by who I think it will be. My preference to answer the first part of the question would be Florida, obviously number one, Auburn, which are the two givens. And then for that third spot, I personally would prefer Tennessee. I know some people would disagree with that, especially people that are closer to the Georgia-South Carolina border. And also anyone who has been to Columbia for a game in which we have lost, you know how those fans act. If you know, you know. And I get it. Trust me. I've been there for those games where we've lost. And that is one of my least favorite fan bases when they're good, but they're not good very often. They're usually kind of tame because they they kind of know their place. 
especially over the last five or six years with the run that we've been on. But when they were good for a couple of years under Spurrier, they were insufferable because they had no clue how to handle it because they've never been good in the history of their program prior to that. And they really haven't been good since then. So I get it if they hold a special place of hatred in your heart. I understand that. I'd be lying if I tried to sit here with a straight face and tell you that I didn't hate South Carolina because I certainly do. But I personally have more hatred for Tennessee. We talked about that this year. And that only grew, intensified with how the Tennessee fans conducted themselves throughout the course of this season. But it's beyond just that for me. I think this season kind of reminded me of how much I hate Tennessee. But for me, it goes back to the 90s. Look, I know the argument against Tennessee is that we've only played them, what, 52 times in the history of our program, and we we didn't start playing them every single year until 1992. So there are some out there that argue it's not a real rivalry because it doesn't have the longevity of a rivalry with like Florida or Auburn, for instance. And longevity of the rivalry certainly is a component of what makes a, a series, a game between two teams, a rivalry. Sure, it is. But I also don't think it's necessarily a prerequisite. Like, you can't have just played like two or three times and call it a rivalry. Like, if we play TCU next season in the playoffs and, you know, that, let's say they get revenge, they beat us, that was that all of a sudden a rivalry? Like, no, you play two games and, like, you split those games, but you haven't played enough for it to be a rivalry. So you have to play enough, but it doesn't have to be some series dating back to the 1800s. And by the way, guys, I don't want to date myself, but 1992, that was over 30 years ago. So we have played Tennessee for 30 straight seasons. And for me personally, as a kid growing up in the 90s, when I first started to become aware of college football, I I don't like to admit this. I don't like to go back and travel back to this era, but Tennessee owned us. Let's not forget that, guys. We did not beat Tennessee one single time in the 90s. And that was when I was coming of age watching college football. Not one single time. We started playing them every year in 1992 when the SEC expanded and we went to divisions and created the the SEC championship game. And we did not beat them once we started playing them every year back in 1992 until 2000. Jim Donnan got one before he was let go. And then, of course, we know what happened in 2001. That's when Mark Rick took control of that series with the hobnail boot. And now in the 21st century, we have won 17 of the last 23 matchups against Tennessee. So we flipped that series. We've owned it. But I still vividly remember the 90s. And I remember how bad that was. I remember Jamal Lewis going to Tennessee out of Douglas High School here in the state of Georgia, spurning his home state team, saying he didn't want to play in the Peach Bowl every year. I went to football camp as a kid every single year. I went to Georgia football camp every single year. One of my buddies, his family were Tennessee fans, and he always went to Georgia football camp with us because we lived an hour or so away from the campus. And one year, being a good group of friends, all of us other guys, we agreed to go to Tennessee football camp. We went to the Georgia camp. Tennessee camp was on a different weekend. We agreed to go with my with my buddy who was a Tennessee fan just to go up there and support him and do that thing. I re- kind of regret it now because like, what was I possibly thinking? I was trying to be a good friend, trying to be a good guy. And it was probably like 1999. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. So it was before I went to high school. But 98, 99, it was 99. I'm pretty sure it was 99. Obviously, you know what just happened the previous year. They won the national championship in 1998, right? So I vividly remember as a Georgia fan how cocky, how arrogant everyone associated with that program was from the coaches to the players that we saw a little bit here and there, the fans around town to the support staff, which didn't really have like support staff that we have now, but even like, like custodians, like just anybody around the football facilities, anybody that we were interacting with to a person, I vividly remember that. 
I remember that and also just completely off topic here, but I just can never forget this. My friend's dad, the guy, my good friend who was a Tennessee fan, his family, Tennessee fans, his dad was an older, um, great guy, a little loopy, I guess is the nice way to say this. And I remember we pulled off the interstate on the wrong exit and there were two carloads of us and the other carload behind us, they kept going because they knew where they were going. We pulled off first off, off the exit and we saw the other car keep going and we were like... Hey, Mr. So-and-so, we think you pulled off on the wrong exit. He goes, oh, really? Did I? Oh, yeah, I think I did too. And he stops the car in the, in the middle of the exit lane. Like it's a, it was an exit ramp. Like We're going up like to get off uh, on this exit. And he stops it, puts the van. We're in his big van. It puts the van in reverse. And we're just like losing our minds. He's like, oh, my God. We're like, cars are honking. They're trying to dodge us. So we're going in reverse off the exit ramp, get back on the interstate. Then he puts it in drive, and we just continue on. I'll never forget that so not a great trip any way around uh, definitely only made that one one time I was like hey buddy like we did your thing once we're never doing this again but that that's my preference I, I, to me Tennessee is far more of a rival than South Carolina is so if I have my preference I know that I don't get a vote in this I, I'm just one guy and there's a, a whole world of Georgia football fandom out there I'm just one voice but my preference if I have my way would be Florida Auburn and then Tennessee that's what I want to happen that's not going to happen, though. What I think is going to happen, what I'm fairly certain will happen, is Florida, Auburn, and South Carolina. The reason I think South Carolina is because we are South Carolina's number one rival in the SEC. Obviously, Clemson is their number one rival overall, but within the conference, it is Georgia. It's the border rivalry. So they are going to push hard, I would imagine, for us to be one of their permanent opponents and we might not push back too hard on that because, like, you know, I guess it is a border rivalry to a degree. I think Tennessee is more of a border rivalry. That's just me. I think Tennessee is going to be more relevant moving into the future. But I don't think we'll push back on that too much because of the border rivalry. Plus, here's the other factor. Tennessee on our schedule, along with Auburn and Florida, would make our schedule more difficult. So here I am kind of contradicting myself because one of the things I said I don't think is great about SEC expansion force is it makes us harder to win the national championship. And I also think if play, if we play Tennessee every year in, in lieu of South Carolina, that would also be a more difficult path for us to win the SEC because I do think that Tennessee, as currently constructed moving forward, has a higher ceiling. I just think in general they have a higher ceiling than South Carolina because they've had more success. There's more fan buy-in. Uh, they have more resources, more financial resources. They have more infrastructure. It's, it's just more of a name brand than South Carolina is. They've actually won a national championship. South Carolina has never won anything in the history of their entire program. So I do think Tennessee has a higher ceiling and will be better moving forward for the foreseeable future. So yeah, if we did play Tennessee, I understand that makes it even tougher for us to win the SEC uh, when it's already getting more difficult with the addition of Oklahoma and Tennessee. That's why I'm not going to freak out if it is South Carolina, which is going to be. But if I had my preference in terms of like who are our top three rivals in the SEC, I would say for me personally, it'd be Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee. But I, I do not think that's going to happen in any way, shape, or form. But I'll also say this about South Carolina. People, because I've had people use this argument, like, hey, man, we've only played Tennessee 52 times. We didn't play them every year until 1992. Well, I mean, yeah, we've played South Carolina more over the history of our program. We've only played them a little bit more than 70 times. We played them about 20 more times when we have Tennessee. Um, we did not play South Carolina every year either until 1992 because they did not join the conference until 1992. Now, we did play them for a long stretch of time prior to that, but there was about a three or four year gap 
before 1992, before we started playing them every single year. So, yes, we have played them more than Tennessee over the history of our program, but not like considerably more. So I don't really buy that argument, but it's going to be South Carolina. It's really not even worth arguing because that's just what it's going to be. I've seen a few people mention Kentucky. I would love to play Kentucky every year because I do think that's a team that we should beat every year or almost every single year really should be every year. We should never lose Kentucky in football. And plus I do like going to Lexington selfishly, very selfishly. I understand that's a very selfish point of view. I love that trip. As I mentioned the Friday five and I do not want to give that one. Heck, I don't want to give up the Missouri trip. I understand like that's across the entire sec footprint and that's not going to be a team that we play every single year, but I, I would love it if it's Kentucky. I just don't see how that's going to happen. When we got South Carolina, Tennessee, like it'd be one of those teams before it'd be Kentucky. So yeah, I think that Tennessee-Georgia is going to be a rivalry that you're going to lose when we expand the SEC. LSU-Alabama has given us some iconic moments. That's going to be gone. I think LSU-Alabama played every year since 1964. That is a much more long-standing rivalry than Georgia-South Carolina or Georgia-Tennessee. And that is going to be gone on an annual basis. They are not going to play each other every single year. I just don't see how that's going to happen with the rivals that Bama has. Bama is going to play Auburn. They're going to play Tennessee. I don't think you can get rid of those games. And they're not going to, like, Bama is not going to get lsu Auburn and Tennessee as their three permanent rivals. That's not going to happen. It's probably going to be Mississippi State, which is about an hour-ish away from campus. you got to level it out to some degree from a competitive standpoint. That's just too much. Even, if, even though it's the mighty Bama, LSU, Tennessee, Auburn competitively, I just don't see how that's going to happen. So I think we're going to lose that series. We're probably going to lose Florida and Tennessee on an annual basis. Now, maybe we get Florida and Auburn back, which used to be a long, ter- a long-term rivalry for a while. It hasn't they obviously they haven't been playing every year for a long time now. But once upon a time, that was a really good rivalry in college football. Maybe we get that back, but we're probably going to lose Florida and Tennessee. And for what? What is the root of this? It's the almighty dollar. That is the reason that we are going to lose these rivalries. And I don't say that... As a criticism, I'm really not. I mean, you can take it that way, but that's not how I'm saying it. I'm just saying it, it is about the almighty dollar. That is the financial imperative. That is the college football Darwinism at play. The idea that we have to expand and take these teams or someone else will, and we will fall behind and we'll, we won't make as much money as a conference. Therefore, our programs won't have the financial resources to compete for championships with. And that's why you have to do it. I get it, but that doesn't mean I won't mourn the loss of what we had before. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And finally, guys, the last component of this that I want to discuss today as it relates to how SEC expansion is going to impact Georgia is what this expansion means for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Now, before I dive into this, let's just go ahead and start with this. The cocktail party as we know it in Jacksonville 
was probably already dead prior to expansion for a couple of reasons. And we know that Kirby Smart has made his position very, very clear that he wants this game moved home and home and out of Jacksonville for recruiting purposes. Whether you agree with that or not, that is what the head man has said. I, I do have some doubts as to how much of an impact it will really have on our recruiting efforts when it's just one game every other year. But it is the marquee game on our schedule most years. And most of these guys, when they're trying to pick where they want to go for their official visits, they do look for big matchups, and that would be a big home game for us. I still think we get most of these guys, but it'd be a great environment. you attract more kids coming to campus, and maybe that's the difference between getting a kid here or there. I don't know how many players it would actually net us that we're not getting, but Hey, when it comes to recruiting, it's really hard to not trust Kirby implicitly. This guy is a master recruiter. So I usually defer to him on that. I do have some doubts as to how much of an impact it's going to make, but Kirby's the master. I got to defer to him when it comes to that. And then here's something I think is even more important. Like Kirby's had this opinion for a while. It hasn't happened. I think it's moving in that direction, especially with the ammunition he has now winning back-to-back national titles. This guy can basically get whatever he wants. But over the past couple of months, if you haven't been paying attention, and you might not, I mean, we don't live in Jacksonville, maybe some of you live in Jacksonville, but there have been quite a few reports coming out that the Jacksonville Jaguars, who control TIAA field where the cocktail party is played, they have plans to renovate the stadium in Jacksonville, and in the process, they're going to remove roughly 10,000 or so seats. I think that is a huge deal when it comes to whether or not this game is going to be renewed moving into the future. Because there's already really not enough seats as it is for the Georgia-Florida game. Like, I mean, not every fan can get tickets. And even if you've been donating for a long time, heck, even McGill Society people aren't getting great seats, getting kind of nosebleed seats. There's already, I think there's only like 65, 67,000 seats there. I know they bring in a couple bleachers. I've had those seats before. Those bleacher seats are absolutely terrible. I will never sit there ever again. So I think the one-two punch of Kirby not wanting this game to be played in Jacksonville anymore, plus the pending renovations of the Jaguars stadium, of that stadium, removing seats. I think that one-two punch was enough to kill it. But just in case it wasn't, I think SEC expansion will finish the cocktail party off for good, at least as we have known it. And the reason that I say that is the nine-game conference schedule. I know that hasn't been officially announced. Again, I've already said that, but I fully anticipate that being the format that we go with. So if we go to a nine-game conference schedule, that along with both participants in this game, Georgia and Florida, having annual out-of-conference in-state rivalries that we have to play every single year, and we flip home and home, right? Florida State for Florida, obviously Georgia Tech for us. That makes it very unlikely, that combination, nine-game conference schedule, both of us having out-of-conference in-state rivalries we have to play every year, that makes it very unlikely that this game is going to be kept in Jacksonville. Because if it is, if it is kept in Jacksonville, I'm not saying this is impossible, it's not, but it's going to make it much more difficult for us to schedule any big non-conference games. It's just a numbers thing, it's just math. We don't have the slots for that, especially when you lose every other year. If it's in Jacksonville, that game counts as a home game. So you just don't have as many slots to really be able to work in. You just don't have as much flexibility to be able to work in these non-conference matchups that Kirby clearly likes to play. I think, honestly, a big part of this, Kirby hasn't said it out loud publicly. I think a big part of his motivation, yes, recruiting, I do buy that he believes that. But I also think he likes these big non-conference matchups, playing Clemson, playing Oregon. Uh, We're going to play Oklahoma this year. I think he likes those matchups. I think he likes the attention and the publicity he gets our program all year long. And players, you can recruit to that. Players want to play in those kind of games. And when you play a game in Jacksonville, a neutral site game every year, it just makes it much more difficult when you have a nine-game conference schedule that to also contend with. It makes it more difficult to schedule those games and really, and get, especially two of them, we have multiple seasons moving forward where we have 
three non-conference Power 5 opponents. We've already got those games scheduled. So it's just complicated when when you go to a nine-game conference schedule. Now, again, it's not impossible because Texas and Oklahoma, we know they play the annual rivalry at the Texas State Fair, which is a neutral site, and they've been in the Big 12, and they've been playing a nine-game conference schedule for the past several years, and they've also managed to be able to play some big-time out-of-conference games as well. Obviously, Texas played Alabama last year in Austin. They go to Alabama this year. We were going to play Oklahoma, so they were ready to play us. So they've been able to do it. It just makes it more difficult for us because the thing with Texas and Oklahoma is they didn't, neither one of those teams had annual out-of-conference in-state rivalries they had to play. We do. Florida does. So that just adds an extra layer of complication to it. That's not necessarily an insurmountable obstacle, but when you pair that with the issues that we already have with that game, whether it's Kirby, whether it's the Jaguars renovating the stadium, I think this SEC expansion is just one final nail in the coffin to the cocktail party in Jacksonville. And I know that makes some of you rejoice. In fact, as recently as about six, seven months ago, that would have made me rejoice because I know in the past I have been a pretty strong, fairly strong advocate of moving that game out of Jacksonville and making it a home-and-home game. But I also say I'm I'm not the kind of guy who gets stuck on one position and won't budge. I try my best to keep an open mind and consider things from different perspectives, and I'm willing to change my mind as more information comes to the table and as, as I think about things a little bit more. And that's kind of the case here with this game in Jacksonville. I, my thinking has very much evolved on the cocktail party and whether or not we should move it out of Jacksonville. My position always was, yes, let's move it out of Jacksonville. Let's go home and home because number one, selfishly, very selfishly, I don't like Jacksonville. It's not a thing It's Jacksonville, the city. I don't like downtown Jacksonville. In fact, I don't know how anyone with a functioning brain can enjoy downtown Jacksonville because it is a cesspool of nothingness. And the city of Jacksonville has allowed it to just wither away on the vine for far, far, far too long. And yes, I know you can stay on the Golden Isles, and I know a lot of people do. They love their weekend vacations, and I'm not going to begrudge them that. I mean, I completely understand. Again, I say college football is a big a big part of college football is tradition, and that's tradition for a lot of people. But for me, I don't like staying down there because then I have to drive in, drive back, and I can watch zero other games. It's really hard for you to actually watch other games. And, you know, call me old-fashioned. I like to watch other college football games. I like, obviously, our game is number one for me. I like to see what else is going on. I love college football. I want to watch those games. And if I drive in and out of Jacksonville from the Golden Isles, then I'm not really going to be able to do that the way that I want to. So, yes, I know I make the choice and I could choose to stay somewhere else, but when I go to the cocktail party, I stay in downtown Jacksonville because I like to stay where I can walk to and from the stadium, usually on Friday nights. I'll get an Uber. We'll go to San Marco. We'll go somewhere else. We'll go to Five Points and get out of downtown Jacksonville. But the day of the game, like you're in downtown Jacksonville because that's where the game is played. And um, downtown Jacksonville, um, let's just be real, guys. Call it what it is. It sucks. So that was a big motivating factor for me wanting to move it out of Jacksonville. It's a very selfish point of view, but that was my point of view. Um, I also love on-campus games. I made that clear over the years. And I, I think having this game in Athens and in Gainesville would be a really cool thing. Uh, and I, I just think it's, I think college football is made to be played on campus. I do not like these opening week neutral site games. I don't like playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to open the season against Oregon. Like, it's fine, cool, whatever. I'd much rather that game be a home-and-home. I don't like playing Clemson and Charlotte to open the season. I'd much rather that be home-and-home, although Clemson is not a great place to go either. I just love on-campus games. I think that's what college football, that's what it was built on. That's where those games should be played. Uh, Again, I also trust in Kirby. Kirby says that it hurts recruiting, and I 
tend to trust him implicitly when it comes to that, because why would you not? He's not giving us any reason to not trust him on that. And, you know, as Athens local, I know it helps the, you know, I know the game in Jacksonville helps the South Georgia economy, and I certainly understand that, and I'm sympathetic to that, but I live in Athens. So just like people in South Georgia want to help protect their economy, I want to help protect the Athens economy because I love this city. This is my home. And I have felt that way for a long time. But it's strange now. The closer we get to the reality of the death of the cocktail party in Jacksonville, the more I think I'm going to miss it. Which, you know, again, if you would ask me like this time last year, I said, hell no, I'm not going to miss it in Jacksonville. Let's go home and home. Like, I don't want to go to Jacksonville anymore. That place sucks. But what I've come to realize is, yes, 100%, I hate the location. I hate where the game is played. I wish it was like in Tampa or something like that. We should go back in time and say, let's not play this game in Jacksonville. Let's play it in Tampa or, or somewhere that's just not Jacksonville. But I don't hate the event. And it's it's this is the rare neutral site game because again I do not like neutral site games I think most all these games should be played home and home, but there's tradition attached to this, and I think tradition matters I really do. Inside the stadium is something special. Jacksonville sucks around the stadium sucks is awful. It's hard to imagine a worse place for a game to be played. Downtown Jacksonville terrible, but inside the stadium it, it's cool man like the fifty fifty split. You know, the, the cheering on both sides. It's awesome to be in the stadium. And, and especially in the past, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, however many years now, watch those Florida fans file out really early and leave. And we're just sitting there having a, a grand old time inside the stadium. And this is a national rivalry. It really is. I mean, there's a reason we get the 330 spot in CBS every single year. That game's announced in the preseason. We don't have to wait, you know, two weeks out, right? We know in the summer that the Georgia-Florida game is going to be played 330 the last weekend of October, right? I guess sometimes it ends up being like November 1st or whatever. But we always know that. It is a national rivalry with a national standing. And that's in large part because of the neutral setting, the spectacle of the weekend and just the tradition of this. And that is something that we will lose. And I didn't care about that. You know, again, like six months ago, I didn't care about that. But maybe I'm just getting sentimental in my old age. I don't know. But the closer we get to the reality of that not being a thing anymore, the more I think that it's, that I'm going to miss it. That just the tradition being gone just feels wrong. It feels kind of weird. And here's another thing that's been on my mind. Just looking at it this way, guys. We own Florida. Like we own Florida right now, and that's not going to change anytime soon with Kirby Smart at the helm. It's just not. Look at where these two programs are right now. But here's the thing. Playing a neutral site typically means the most talented team is going to win far more often than not because you don't have the home field edge to sway a team that might not be as talented to somehow find a way to win the football game, right? You don't have that. And for as far as I can see out into the horizon, we are going to be the more talented team in this matchup. So playing Florida at a neutral site behooves us from a competitive standpoint to keep the game in Jacksonville because it's just going to be really hard for Florida to rise up and beat us on any sort of consistent basis. I mean, things happen on any given random year, like 2020 with the COVID year, things like that can happen. But we are going to be the more talented team by a pretty considerable margin for the foreseeable future. And playing a neutral site allows that to have more of an impact than it would be if we played every other year in, in Gainesville. If we played in Gainesville, them having the home crowd could give them a puncher's chance in a way they wouldn't have if the game was played at a neutral site. Maybe they jump up and bite us every once in a while a little bit more often than they would if the game was played at a neutral site. So that's just another thing to think about there, just putting that out there. But the bottom line is, when it comes down to it for me, guys, this is why my thing is kind of evolved on Jacksonville. I'm just very weary of losing so much tradition so fast all at once. 
that's something that that scares me a little bit because I am scared that we're going to lose too much of what makes college football unique and what makes it special. It's still always going to be the best thing on earth, the best thing that you can find in sports. I don't think that's ever going to change. I'm still always going to love it. But I also don't want to lose too much of the essence of what makes college football college football. And now here's where I say, get off my lawn. I feel like an incredibly old man. Like, who am I? Who is this guy? I feel like I'm the 80-year-old man saying, oh, back in my day. And maybe I am, man. Maybe I'm just getting too old too fast here. But college football is a beautiful thing, man. And I'm just afraid of losing some of the stuff that makes it beautiful. But all right, guys, I'm going to leleave you on that. Long story short, college football expansion, SEC expansion, it's not all bad for Georgia. Obviously, we need to keep up with the Joneses when it comes to the financial components of this and make sure that we are in a position to continue to compete for championships. And this is good for the SEC, which means at least in some way it's good for Georgia as a member of the SEC. But I do think it makes it harder for us to win national championships. I am weary of losing some of the tradition that has made Georgia football special, has made college football special. But change has become the name of the game in college football, and we're just going to have to roll with it. So thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this today. I appreciate each and every one of you. We will be back later this week. I think we're going to have some baseball talk. So the college baseball season opens this weekend. And I'm going to try to put together a little baseball preview for you, which I think Charlie is actually going to be on as well. She's she's telling me that she wants to get into Georgia baseball this season. She's always kind of poo-pooed on baseball and it hasn't been her thing but she's gonna try this year so i'm gonna try to educate her on all things georgia baseball on wednesday night so that should be a lot of fun i'm actually looking forward to that that'll be that'll be an interesting episode so you don't want to miss that one guys and i'll be back at the end of the week with the third edition of the friday five so plenty of great stuff for you guys the rest of this week i'm tyler and as always go dogs